Welcome to Her Next Play's Power Chat Podcast, hosted by Sarah Wegman and Audra Emerson. At Her Next Play, our mission is to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. Sports build powerful leadership skills, and female athletes have enormous leadership and career potential. In our Power Chat Podcast, we talk to inspiring women leaders about sports, leadership, and careers. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Sarah Wegman, and I'm thrilled to welcome our guest today, Becky Roloff, to the Her Next Play Power Chat Podcast. Becky is the president of St. Catherine University. She's also a graduate of St. Kate's, where she received a BA in business administration before continuing her education and earning her MBA with distinction from Harvard Business School. Becky has been a leader in business, working at American Express, Pillsbury, and Cargill, as well as being a force in the community. Becky is the 11th president of St. Kate's, and before returning to the university as president, she served our community as CEO of the YWCA Minneapolis. Becky, thank you for joining our podcast today. You're welcome. At Her Next Play, we're all about sports. I know you're a triathlete, so I want to start off with just your sports experience. What role has sports played in your life? Well, I came to sports late in life, so it took me a long time till I either even describe myself as an athlete. And it all started at the YWCA. I, I was always loved to swim, but I was, I graduated from high school in 1972, which was the same year that title nine was put into place. So girls sports were not an option. And I, I don't think I was blessed with um, very good eye hand coordination either. Uh, had I been able to be in sports in high school or grade school, I probably would have been a swimmer. I still love to do that. So I had been a lifeguard and WSI and all that, but had never competed in sports. Then in 2008, uh, one of our um, people in our health and wellness said, there is no women's triath- all women's triathlons in a multiple state region. I think that would be a great thing for St. Kate's um, to do. And so he explained what a sprint triathlon was and why, how we could build on it, why this was a great thing. And I, you know, I sat and listened and I thought, boy, it made a lot of sense to me um, for a whole host of reasons. And then as I only one time, and I can tell you about that, regretted, I thought, well, I can do this too. And I, I never had run, though we all can run. And I had never seriously biked, though I had always ridden a bike. And I had never swam against a clock, which we all can do too. And that's how I did my first triathlon, which was in 2008. Um, we did the first one and we didn't even know if anyone would come, but I only do one triathlon a year. Um, but that was really the start of putting athlete with my name. And I think that for the generation of women who have a chance to play on teams, I think it is an incredible advantage in your life to learn to play on a team. You learn how to shrug off defeat you learn how to go mano on mano with somebody and then shake hands when it's done. And you learn how to really pay attention to 
your time and what you have to juggle. You can do that a lot of things, but I'm really grateful that there's so many young women today who can participate in sports. And for women like me who weren't of that generation, that we have a chance to be in, in sports too. And in a way, um, compete though. I, I say I participate in the triathlon. I don't compete in the triathlon. My goal is finish with dignity, right? I just want to finish with dignity. That that's my goal every year. But I think you, I'm sure you're competing with yourself and your personal best and times. And you think it's hard to do something like that and not get a little bit of competitive fire. And I loved what you said before, just about all the leadership skills that you learn through sports. And it really is a unique opportunity, I think, for especially for women to, to learn some of those teamwork skills, like you mentioned, but also how do you perform under pressure? How do you, you know, become coachable? How do you set goals? You know, how can you be resilient and find new strategies to win and all these different sorts of skills? Um, and so I think, you know, having sports programs is such a critical part of leadership development. So I'd love to hear kind of how you think about the program, the athletic program at St. Kate's and, you know, what role do you think sports on campus um, play in terms of developing leaders of your students? Well, um, St. Catharines is a division three school and the NCAA um, division one would be the University of Minnesota all the way down division two and division three our students would really be described as student athletes. So you're a student first, an athlete. There's not academic, there's not athletic scholarships that we give uh, going forward. And so, having said that, that we're a Division um, three school with the other Minnesota private colleges, then it's the. I think that the skills that we talked about before, the resiliency, you you don't get those just through sports. We should say that. I. I'm very grateful. I was a debater. I competed in debate. I had to shrug off that defeat too when you didn't. Um, and just to learn to balance the calendar and what you're doing and all that. However, the to be able to be athletic, to be able to um, uh, take your body and your and your uh, your skill onto the floor, to to have to have that to show yourself in that way. Um, to show and to be able to take the coaching and play together as a team. And so we find that that our athletes, many of them are terrific students on campus. I believe our swim team last year had the highest GPA in the United States of any Division three swim team. And we um, focus very much on the student who is also an athlete going forward. Sports is, is a, another way that we, as a world, we see that women can be in that competitive situation too and deserve the same treatment and respect, wages, et cetera, that men do in those sports because they're using their body in the same way many times going forward. And I really admire that. Right. And, and women athletes can do incredible things. Um, but I wanted to ask a little bit, I mean, one of the things with, um, you know, it's Title IX has had just such an amazing impact and really opened up so many opportunities 
for women athletes and for girls to participate in sports, but certainly there's still a lot of um, kind of progress to be made. Um, but one of the things that I think is so unique about um, St. Catherine University and your athletic program is that there isn't, you know, a men's program necessary to be second fiddle to, to, you know, be competing for her gym time. Your athletes are the primary most supported athletes on campus. So can you talk a little bit about how that's unique and, and kind of what, what experience um, women athletes get, get at St. Kate's given that? Well, you said it perfectly. Every brick on this campus, every building on this campus, whether it's for science or for uh, the humanities, arts and sciences, or whether it's for our athletic facilities, every single thing here was created for the education of women. So that that's the big picture. When you come into the athletes in particular, what you said is exactly true. There's no competing with the men's, the men's team got more than this and the women's team. There are only the, the women's teams and, and how we support those women's teams going forward. So I think in a, in a special way, the women who come here um, are playing other women's teams. And I, I think for the, the MIAC Association for Minnesota, I think there's great respect paid to women's teams um, the same as the men's teams. Right. No, I agree. I think that Minnesota is a great place for girls and women in sports. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, I know you've been an advocate through the YWCA and also um, kind of in all the work that you do at St. Kate's, um, not only around gender equity, but racial equity as well. And I think one of the things that people often assume is that college athletes are more diverse, um, maybe than the typical student population. But what we find is that's actually often not true. Um, and so I, I think St. Kate's is great. You have such a diverse student population, you know, particularly for Minnesota, but that doesn't necessarily translate to your athletes. Do you have any kind of sense of why that is and kind of what do you think we can do to get more girls of color um, into athletics and into that pipeline? Well, I think you summarized it well, Sarah. And I think um, I think you have to step all the way back about 10 layers, um, 10 steps backwards, because the there if you don't have access to sports in every school, regardless of its, its economic condition or regardless of what suburb it's in. And so if you have to cut budgets over time and you've had to cut the budgets because of property values in schools that don't have resources and the sports programs start going and you are able to maintain those sports program in, in wealthier districts because of a, a better property taxes and and because property taxes help fund and county taxes help fund schools is you have started a problem from birth all the way through. And so when you get to the end of the pipeline, the number of students who have access, I mean, look at a swimming program. Um, pools are very expensive to maintain. You have to have money in your school district to have a pool um, to even be in. So right there, you've taken the number of eligible um, students, and let's make it students not even, not even, not even in this case, um, uh, those who identify as women. You've taken that and, and narrowed that down all the way because your expensive sports, and swimming would be a great example, um, they, they go first, right? And, 
And as you narrow that funnel, you're going to end up on the other end with not that many students in there. So the way that you have to change the, the dynamic here is to make those sports accessible to everyone, to all children deserve that accessibility to sports. And I would argue never more than now. It's the most ridiculous thing that we're not investing in, not, not just from, can you be in a team later, but just from health, from, from all the things going forward. So I, I always say, you know, we're just at the, we're at the end of the pipeline here. And I said that when I left the YWCA is, and we talked earlier about our friend um, and my former colleague, Krista Perkins, is you're, you're catching the pipeline here. And so whatever's in that pipeline, you're going to catch. And so to work really hard at this point to get young women of color into that pipeline, which we do, but it's very, very narrow for, for the um, last year entering college for women was over 50% um, BIPOC, young women of color. But there's very few of those that come in through athletics or who, can, who do athletics because they did not come out of a system. And that's just the school system. So let's say that your school doesn't have that. Well, then you're assuming that the parents have the jobs and the resources to be able to afford um, uh, hockey, as an example. That's another really expensive sport um, to be able to support. And, and, and so even if the school didn't have it, well, you can join the local club team. Well, that is going to be really, really expensive to do. So we've, we've blocked either from the school you're at or the economic circumstances, you have blocked access to physical sports. And I think our society, we ultimately pay for that. We just, we just can't see the money we're writing out. We know we are. Um, and we could do it so much differently at the front end. There, every child in Minnesota should know how to swim. That was a big effort we did at the YW um, to be able to provide swimming lessons for kids whose parents couldn't afford it because the number, my numbers are old, but I bet they haven't changed, which is, I think it was, well, I should even say, I wanna say six times, but I, I, it was multiple times that if there is a, a young child who drowns, you can bet it's gonna be a young child of color, right? Well, I think I read similar statistics that, yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's an incredible number. And I, I hate to quote it because I don't remember it. It's been so long since I've given a speech on it. But to me, that was always the example of, of the system of racism that would end up with a child of color not being able to swim. And then our, you know, every family wants to go to the beach on a nice day. Well, what does, you know, our signs, um, those children's access to swimming lessons, their access to pools, how can you not make it a safety effort in Minnesota that every child knows how to swim? Every child. Right. Yeah, no, I think there was a, a lot of work we need to do around access. And I think the pandemic has exacerbated that um, from a sports perspective and from many different perspectives. But I hope the community can step in and, and figure out some programming to keep um, more girls and, and all youth in that pipeline um, and make that pipeline bigger for you. Um, 
so I did want to talk a little bit about one of the things that we find is that women athletes that have that athletic experience, and I know you can develop it through lots of different activities. You mentioned debate, but um, research really shows that um, former women athletes tend to be um, really successful in male dominated environments. And um, you've been a barrier breaker. You've thrived in many different male dominated environments, serving as sometimes the only woman on corporate boards. What has been your experience as that kind of first? And then, you know, what, what have you been able to do to try to blaze the path for, for, I think, I think recently I heard like, you never want to, you want, it's okay to be the first, but you want, don't want to be the last. I think it's, it's ultimately your own confidence in speaking up to point out where the lack of access is so that you can clear the path for the next woman coming in. And I think that's what we, we do at St. Kate's is educate women to lead and influence and the main thing you're trying to do is to have people understand they're in a system and to be able to understand how would you improve that system to be more just, because if it was more just, it would be more equitable and our society as a whole would, would be better going forward. I think women who come out of sports, and that's, that's the purpose of your, your purpose and in your organization, is that I think for the generation of students who can play in sports, you learn to fight better. And I think my, my generation, um, for sure, women never learn to fight well. And so sometimes if you would have a disagreement, it would take weeks to kind of feel like you patched it up good enough. So I think that's part of the, what the sports can teach you more is that, is that, recovery faster when there is a disagreement and to not take it personally. And I think any activity you can be in, sports is the one we're talking about now that helps you not take a loss personally or a remark personally, you're just going to keep, be able to keep your focus better and keep your goal in front of you and not be kicked off of that goal that you have because you received a criticism. Um, because you're if you're in a leadership role, you're going to be criticized. It just goes with the territory. Um, if you're trying to change something, it, it just is the way it is. Right. So um, I want to talk a little bit about our girls programs are called play bold programs. And one of our goals is to empower girls to play bold in sports and life. And I've read that your style has sometimes been described as bold leadership. So I was curious, just what does being bold mean to you? Well, this might seem counterintuitive, but I think, I think boldness starts with, starts with, I think it starts with humbleness. I think the older I get, the more I realize what I don't know, which is actually very powerful to know what you don't know and to be able to set a bold vision but know how you would build the team who could deliver that bold mission with you. Because when we're talking about teams, there is no big job that anyone does alone. I, I could never do this job without my team. Just like a coach could never do a job with a team. You, you have to have a team to do it. And I think your belief in what you're doing drives you and drives that team forward and helps you bring people in who believe it 
like, like you do. And one of the things at St. Kate's is that for years, years before I ever took this job, I always, I said it in many speeches, and I think many people at St. Kate's had heard it over many years. There were always two things I could beg for. I don't want to beg, but I could. I would, I would, I would and I could beg for food or medicine for my, my two children and now for my two grandchildren. I could do that. And I always said I could beg to keep the doors or the gates of St. Kate's open. And that's because I believe that women need and deserve that, that nurturing and that, uh, that attention to everything possible to send them into the world as boldly as you can, because the world is going to knock you back. And, and how do we, how do you send them out that they know they can, they know how to play bold. They know that they can be bold and they know how, how the best of your ability to use the energy well going forward. So I think that boldness, I think comes from the belief in what you're doing. And then if you believe in what you're doing, I, I believe you're able to withstand the criticism, you're able to withstand the, um, the failures, because you will, you, you, you will fail on some things that you care about. How do you keep going? How do you go back in and go, this is worth, this is worth fighting for uh, going forward? And I believe our mission at St. Kate's we educate women to lead influence and the, the, the way my contribution to world peace, I don't know that I'm going to contribute to any athletic adventure, but my contribution to world peace is every single student who can complete their degree here with a life vision they had for themselves, because I know, I know I am sending an educated person with integrity and values and understanding what it means to be a citizen in whatever area they choose. It doesn't matter your specific area. It matters that you want to do good and you and you have an aspiration for your life. And if you have that, you're gonna be bold, whether in your community or your family or wherever you are, and you're gonna do a great job. And so every single student, I go, okay, one more for world peace, one more for world peace, one more for world peace. That's what, to me, playing bold would mean. I. I think it's playing the long game. Right. And you, it's, you've been playing, you've been really offering the community bold leadership in terms of gender equity and developing women leaders, both at the YWCA and at St. Kate's. We still have a lot of, you've done so much. Your organizations have done so much. I think many of us, this has been something that we've been fighting for and leading on. Um, there's still a lot of progress to be made. So where, from where you sit, what makes you optimistic, you know, uh, and where do you see the big challenges? How are we going to continue to make progress in developing women leaders? Well, you make me optimistic. Today, I just got off the phone at today with one of our unbelievable um, graduates who works in sex trafficking of women. Um, that just, I mean, when I heard what she did Yesterday, I was on the phone with one of our senators, and she said to me that there was um, a testimony given yesterday at the Capitol, or virtually probably, about this young woman who had um, gotten pregnant in the eighth grade and had used a human service 
which is what she was there. But then she went on to tell the story of she had come back and gotten her degree at St. Kate's and now worked in public health for other young women. Um, we have the most incredible students here and this faculty and staff who understand what it takes for these women to be successful. So it's, that's what gives me the hope for the future is when I look out the window. I think on a college campus, every single student has a vision of the future. And how do we get those women to see their path to power? How do we get them to claim their own boldness, um, especially in communities that have been underrepresented? So I love that you talked about power. It's a perfect segue into um, my almost last question, which is, I read once that you um, said, use the power you have wisely. So how do you want to continue to use your power? What change or impact or big goals do you have for St. Kate's or in the community? It is to, I believe, do everything you can to help people find the power they already have and to do the best that I can that um, St. Kate's can continue to be seen as that beacon of women's leadership in the community and in the world. Um, because our mission is so clear, we educate women to lead an influence um, in the world. And our vision is that we, we will be respected globally for educating women who transform the world. And that's the, it's, it's what you do through others. It's, it's, not what, it's not what you do. It's what you help other people um, do. And the, the people around you and the people who um, students see as role models going forward. And I, th I think something else that I hopefully said in a speech along the way to I know I said this is, you bloom where you're planted. There is somebody leading a nonprofit um, or somebody leading an educational institution or somebody leading a corporation or what you're doing in your work, Sarah, every single person can be a good leader, a good ethical leader, can do the right thing in whatever you're doing. Because, uh, that I think that's the call to the future is in whatever your role is, do the best that you can, work to make it the best system you can, you'll get the best results that way too. And, and bloom where you're planted because you don't know where you're going to end up. So, so when, whatever you find yourself in, do the best job you can. And, you know, I am always one for also don't overthink it. <laughs> you know, I, I never, I was never one for five-year career plans, two-year career plans. I just went, I, I just always, you know, said yes to the next thing and went, well, okay. So I wanted to wrap things up, you know, at Her Next Play, we're all about giving visibility to women leaders. So I wanted to ask you, who is a woman leader that's inspiring you right now? I think I'm just lucky that I'm around all these inspiring, uh, all these inspiring women, because I, um, I, I just leave here every day, just praying that I did a good job. And for the, for St. Kate's, so that it's here for the next five generations of women so that women always have that opportunity to know that there's a place where every single stone and brick and window was put there for them. Becky, thank you for being on the Power Chat podcast. 
Yes. Well, it was a pleasure to, um, to meet you, Sarah. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Her Next Play Power Chat Podcast. We hope you've been inspired to become part of our community and join us in our mission to develop the next generation of women leaders through sports. You can help support us by heading to our website at www.hernextplay.org to join our booster club as a donor or a volunteer. And follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Her Next Play to learn more about our programs and upcoming events. We'll be back soon for the next Power Chat.